Oli comes for the first time to the MCG as a batsman. Fielded well, looked good in the field. But this is a big occasion for him. Early days, just five matches, and the pressure really on. Short one, fine leg, and over the top. He got a hand on it, and it's pretty well hit. What about that from Jasper Boomer? He brings up the 50. Oh. He probably never would have heard of that before. And he raises the bat. And why aren't they happy there? Vera Cole's got a smile on his face. Oh. It is a very exciting and warm welcome to Robbie McKinlay. The test match season is here and we're going to preview it all on the Cricket Library Weekly. A very warm welcome to you, Robbie. Uh, good day, Maddie. A warm welcome back to you and to all our listeners, wherever you are in the world and whatever time you may be listening to this. So we're excited. Um, we're actually recording this um, the morning of. The crack of uh, dawn. We, 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 we're dawn. up before the birds this morning trying to uh, just contain our excitement, weren't we, Robbie? We certainly were. But, I, well, I wasn't really sleeping too much. I never do but the night before the first test match, particularly this one. So, um, yeah, really pumped about it. Do you, do you get dressed into your whites first thing or do you wait till a little bit later? No, look, I don't unless it happened to be, uh, you know, on game day itself. But, um no, look, I just, I'll, I'll, I must admit I'm wearing a, a bit of thunder attire at the moment. I'm still pretty proud of their performance the other night from uh, DR Sands. Of course, who was a, a guest on the Cricket Library yeah. uh, podcast not that long ago. So, yeah, I'm, and that's our first thunder mention for the day. <laughs> and speaking of BBL, we will do a bit of a BBL wrap uh, a bit later in the show. Uh, but first up... You caught up with Gav Joshi, a uh, roving international journalist uh, who's over here covering the test match in, in, in Adelaide from India. And um, we're going to hear his thoughts on the test match. We're really thankful for him for giving us some time yesterday. Well, it's what we've all been waiting for, the first test match. Underlights the pink ball in Adelaide. Gee, there's times we didn't think it would happen. And to get all the uh, ins and outs and how things might pan out, it is with great pleasure joining us on the Cricket Library Weekly is a globe-trotting journo broadcaster and an all-round good guy. Gav Joshi, you're in Adelaide. Great to have you on the show, mate. Is that the best description you can get me? <laughs> oh, I could, I could give you plenty more, mate. And I, I, I know how excited you are uh, about this tour. Um, obviously, uh, Gav, uh, grew up born in India, but uh, spent a, a huge part of your life here in Australia. We call you an Aussie, but you've got great intel on both sides, particularly the Indian side, mate. So, first up, Gav, yep. I know with Coley one test match, just how do you think at the end of four test matches, give us a scoreline. Geez, you're putting me on the spot straight away. I reckon the first test is so crucial, Robbie. Um, I know it's a bit of a cliche saying that, but I, I reckon if India can pull off the first test, I think we're in for an intriguing test series. If Australia win the first test, um, I think we could have a one-sided series. So um, from a cricketing perspective, you probably want India to do well in that first test, especially because they will be depleted without Kohli in the next three. But um, you would think that 
you know, if Australia can win that first one, I think it might become harder for India um, to, to, or to win the sort of the next three or even one of the next three. Gav, I suppose the, the big thing that's been on the question, on the minds of everyone, particularly over the last week, the way a few things have um, unfolded with injury to a lot of the Australian squad, give us your top six, mate. Well, there's whispers around that um, Matthew Wade's going to open the batting here um, in Adelaide and he's going to be joined by Joe Burns. Joe Burns has spent about three hours in the nets the last two days. Justin Langer watches him like a hawk and every sort of 10 deliveries is sort of walked up to him and mm, sort of adjusted something in his game. Um, So I reckon it will be those two that will open the batting. Uh, There is some talk that Tim Payne might be thrown up, but I think he's got too many responsibilities. Yeah, too much responsibility. And, you know, if if India have a good day with the bat batting first, then, you know, you might have Australia's going to spend about, you know, 100 overs. You don't want Tim Payne to open the batting. So I reckon, I think Wade is Mr. Fix-It, as Justin Langer called him. I think he will open the batting. You have Manus Labashane three, Smitty at four, uh, Travis had five, um, Cameron Green will make his debut, I know. He'll, he'll be at six. Uh, Paney at seven, and you've got the three big quicks and, of course, Nathan Lyon. So, yep, um, yeah, I reckon that's the – I'm pretty sure that will be the 11 for Australia. I guess um, with Matthew Wade, what, what might give him the nod, Gav, is um, he's a very tough character, as we all know. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be required because that Indian opening bowling attack led by Boomerah is going to be uh, a, a real task on on this um, Adelaide Oval with the pink ball. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I'm, I'm just, you know, the curator was having a chat with us and he's saying there's about seven to eight mil of grass, uh, but it's really <laughs> well rolled. Um, they're trying to keep the moisture in there. It has been pretty warm in Adelaide, although the forecast over the next five days is is, is coolish in terms of what you get in December. Um, but, but but saying that, you're, you're right. I think Justin Langer, um, you know, was that type of player, that gritty sort of person and I think a lot of these players in in this team sort of have that same character and like you mentioned Matthew Wade's a great example um and as Justin Langer said a couple of days ago he is Mr Fixit he will you know walk through a brick wall for you and I think you know facing Boomerah and Shammy um with the new ball it, it, it probably is similar to you know walking through a brick wall so it's going to be tough but yeah I think it just depends on you know toss is going to be sort of semi-important but this this day and night test it's a bit of a bit of a lottery Rob because yeah. when do you bowl when do you bat do you bat on under lights do you bowl under lights do you have the hard new cooker bro in your hand um but yeah, I think I think yeah, you're right. I think Wade will, will grid it out, especially in those first fifteen overs, if he's to open the batting. And Gav, I know you've watched a lot of cricket. You've seen a lot of Joe Burns play. What do you think he has to do to turn around his fortunes? Is there anything you've identified in his technique or um, his approach that might be able to get him back on track? Um, Rob, you know I play a lot of golf, and 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 if if I could give it a really simple description, he's he he seems like a guy who's he's playing off about twenty right now, where you, you almost got to tell him you, you let your body, you know, 
swing your arms for you rather than just hit, using your arms to hit the ball. If if, if you know mm. if you understand what I mean, I, I think he's very handsy. I think he becomes, um, you know, he, he he gets into this sort of a locked position, and once he is into that locked position, he can't really move forward or back. So he just moves his hands, whether that's wide or off stump, or yep. if the ball's sort of. So I reckon he gets into. He has been working hard to sort of almost like keep that front foot a little bit nimble and coming forward. Um, but and that's why he's spent so much time in the nets now. Whether that works or not, um, nets is a one thing. Facing Boomerang and Shami and possibly Umesh Yadav is another thing. Uh, and there will be pressure. There will be slips. And um, you know, if you edge one, so are, are, what, what does he do to improve? <laughs> It, it, it's so hard as a batsman, isn't it? Because you, you, you've got all these things going through your head. Mm. If he can clear his head and, and just play the ball on merit, I think that's his biggest challenge. Just because given what I've seen in the last couple of days where you know people like Justin Lang have just spent so much time with him, um, and, and I'll give another golfing analogy. It's like when you've got the ball in front of you, you don't want to be thinking how do, how is my takeaway. You've got to be thinking about watching the ball. Yeah. If you can do that, oh, I think, you know, there will be some runs because he has shown he can score runs. But um, I think it's going to be a bit tough. But let's see how he goes. You know, test cricket, he might edge one first ball and somebody might offer him another chance. And that's all he needs to go on to score, you know, 30, 40 or maybe 100. Gavin, now speaking of runs, and we're speaking about opening batsmen, what about the role of Pajara last series out here? I think he faced something like 1,200 balls. He, he was just dominant. Australia simply couldn't get him out. And, uh, look, I, I thought he played the major part in um, India winning that series. So um, can we expect the same again from Pajara? How many batsmen do you, do you reckon they come out to Australia and repeat their heroics? It doesn't happen to many. Yeah, I, okay. I mean, I, yeah. Um, you know, you might see, I mean, 300s in, in four tests is pretty phenomenal. Um, but, you, you know, we saw Coley do it in sort of 2014-15, but he, didn't, he only scored one last time. Um, but I think this is such a crucial series for Ijinka Rahane, who will bat at five, who will take over the captaincy once Virat goes home. Um, but, yeah, I think India need him at number five to have a big series. I think Pujara will do well. Um, I don't think he will be scoring 300s. I'll be very surprised if he does. Um, just just the nature of the game is that way. Um, but, but, yeah, I think it's a big series for someone like Rahani. Um, but, yeah, if that top, that sort of the openers lay a foundation, I think India can score some big runs on this tour. And if they can, um, you know, I think they're going to be very competitive. Um, but like I said, you know, that first test, uh, I think they need a bit of lottery um, and a bit of luck and where they might need to be bowling under lights rather than batting under lights. Well, Gav, before we let you go, I might just get you to uh, maybe offer up who you think uh, one player on each side who might be just make the difference. It could be someone who just makes, like we saw, Labashain has done it over the last couple of years, got his opportunity to come through. Is there anyone on the Australian side and someone for us to look out for on that Indian side? In the Australian team, you know, I'm going to go for, I'm going to go for Tim Payne. I, th- I think there's something about Tim Payne. I-, I mean, he might not score 100, but I reckon he's he's more than capable of scoring that, you know, gritty 45 where he might be asked to bat under lights or, you know, hold that important partnership. I reckon I- you just get the feeling that Tim Payne's just going to play that innings where if it's a really close contest, it might be his 
you know, partnership with either with like a Travis Head or Cam Green yep. um, that takes, you know, the game away from India or puts Australia in a solid position. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I'm just going slightly uh, away from, you know, your traditional Smiths and and sort of Manus Labashain. So I'm going to go with Tim Payne. Um, in, in India, I think who to watch out for? I, I mean, this Sh- Shami's a dangerous character mm. under the lights. Mm. You don't want him to be facing. We saw what happened to the Australian A guys. Um, if, if he has a, a brand new Kookaburra or a 510 over Kookaburra under lights, um, I, he can, I think he can skittle the top three or four pretty quickly. So I reckon he's dangerous. But um, I, I reckon those two players. So I've gone a little bit sort of, you know, out of the traditional way. I haven't mentioned Boomerah or I haven't mentioned Coley or, or Smithy. Um, but, yeah, I like to think some like to think on a different kind of scale, Robbie, as you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, great insight, Gav. I know you're, um, you're about to go and watch. This is, we've had this chat on uh, Wednesday evening. You're about to watch India train. Um, we thank you for your time. We're, we're all very excited about this. And, um, of course, uh, we look for our, our um, many followers on the Cricket Library Weekly will enjoy your insights, Gav. We thank you for your time, mate, and good luck with the series. Give us your final tip. Come on, four, four matches. Give us a tip. I'm going 2-1 Australia. There you go. Gav Joshi, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure, mate. Nice to be on your show, Robbie. Good luck with it all. And a massive thanks to the latest member of the Cricket Library family, Gav Joshi. Thanks to you, Robbie, for catching up with Gav. And hopefully Gav might join us uh, for a few more previews as we get into the summer. And great to hear Gav predicting a a 2-1 Australian victory. Yeah, so I put him on the spot a bit there straight away. He was, um, you know, but it's a hard-hitting program, this Cricket Library Weekly podcast. We we don't gloss over things here, Robbie. We get straight (laughs) straight to the core issues, don't we, mate? Oh, look, and the thing about Gav is he's been, the moment India arrived um, in, in Australia, um, they're in their hub in Sydney, but, um, you know, Gav's been monitoring their, their progress. And then, of course, um, he's in Adelaide himself for the, the test match. He'll be following him right around the country. Yeah, and Gav's um, pretty keen to join us as a preview before each test match. So we're really looking forward to that. He's got a great following around the world. Very well-respected um, uh, person, Gav, whether it's in the uh, commentary box or he's... Uh, Written pieces are outstanding. And we should uh, give a little plug for his Twitter as well. He's been putting up some good um, good little content at Gamper underscore cricket. Uh, he's been, been down there at training sessions and getting photos and, and providing little updates there. So uh, get around that Twitter account as well. All you cricket librarians around the world. Definitely. He's done um, well, well, thank you. I said he didn't tell his second to none, particularly inside that Indian camp. Now, Robbie, what, what are your thoughts on the series? Can I get a bold prediction from you straight up just to put the boot on the other foot, so to speak? Oh, yeah. Look, I'm, I'm probably a little bit like that. I'm, I'm thinking probably Australia. I think when Coley departs, that is, it is an incredibly big loss. It not, obviously, he's statistics. You know, back that up. That's, yeah. You know, I think he's the best batsman in the world. But it's his competitive, competitiveness in the game. He's loved to win. He drives his teammates on. So whether they can still maintain that over the final three tests, that'll be the big challenge. But I generally think this first test match 
um, that starts uh, in Adelaide today, Thursday. I, I think that is even money. If anything, perhaps, perhaps India could be just a slight little favourite, just with the Kohli factor. They'll be keen to go one nil up. Yeah, in, in, really interesting series. I'm, I'm intrigued how things will play out. Seeing India play with the pink ball, we got a little bit of a glimpse in that uh, trial game or the first class game at the SCG. So we did get to see some action with the pink ball, but Adelaide under lights, that twilight session, that first twilight session is going to be, be critical. And I'll be interested to see the matchup. Now, I, I've been crunching some numbers, Robbie. Given yeah. the fact that C.A. Pujara just batted the house down over here last time, faced something like 1,200 balls for the series, it got me thinking, well, I wonder, I wonder how many balls he averages per innings. So wow. C.A. Pujara in 128 test match innings averages 98.78 balls faced per innings. And if you nearly can, 100 balls. Yeah, wow. nearly 100 balls per inning. So you can compare that to Coley, who averages around 86 balls per innings. Stephen Smith averages just under 100. I think he's 99.75. In fact, I know he's 99.75 because I've got it written here in my notes. But um, Manus Labashain averages 112 balls per oh. innings. So... That- that is outstanding. If you want, if you want a number three to bat around, I, I thought Pujara's numbers were going to be unparalleled. Um, it shows that's to me the three and the four. That's that's going to be a really interesting matchup to see uh, which of those players can get themselves in, and they're the kind of players that once they're in, it's very hard to wear them down and very hard to to, to knock them out. So. Uh, intriguing battle, the threes and the fours, which which will be the, the, the better of the two pairings there uh, over over the series. And with, with Coley uh, departing after the first test, it just makes this first test this afternoon ultra critical uh, for, from an Indian point of view for them to try and get the upper hand early in the series. Well, Matt, over the, over the uh, time, you've thrown some amazing stats at me. That's one of your better ones. That is... That is brilliant. That does, yeah, correct. Shows just how important uh, number three, number four. But you know what? All those players you've mentioned, they tend to really um, go big when it's most required when the team's in trouble. So if the other if the other um, batters around them, particularly the opening pairs of both sides, uh, can and you know can get a start, um, I think we could have a high-scoring uh, test series. But, yeah, that's an outstanding stat. Well played. Uh, geez, the, uh, the, the, the staff back in the library have been busy. Yeah, I'll tell you what, uh, just, just while we're on stats, the toss of the coin, crucial for one of Australia's openers. <laughs> if, 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 really? Yeah, I, I, I've just been, just been having a look at the numbers here and um, it's looking like Joe Burns will get the chance to play. Uh, which which I think is yep. a good thing. I I think uh, four test hundreds uh, to his name. He he has proven he can do the job at the top of the order before. But interestingly, this is a little bit uh, left field. In eleven matches when Australia has won the toss, Joe Burns averages fifty point eight nine. Okay. In ten matches where Australia have lost the toss. 
Now, this is this is the concerning part. Joe Burns only averages 24.23. Gee whiz, so T- TD Payne, get it right. <laughs> please, <laughs> please get <Yeah>. it right. <laughs> now, that, oh, gee whiz, you've been busy. Yeah, well, it's it's come due to the lack of sleep due to the excitement with the test okay. match coming around. Um, I've just been trawling through the numbers and and just trying to trying to get my head around things. But yeah, no, I'm really I'm really happy that it looks like Joe Burns will get the chance there, and uh, Cameron Green looks like he will make his debut for Australia. Uh, I think he made his debut for WA as a 17 year old, got wickets on that debut, and like his first class numbers. 1,300 runs at 55, 500s already. Uh, he's got the makings of everything you'd want from someone in the baggy green, Robbie. Yeah, no, that's good. That's really exciting. Always is when we get a, a debutante and particularly a young guy at, at 21. So, yeah, it's probably hope similar sort of um, coming in like Steve Ward did when he started his test career. And of course, I think that was also against India too. But, um, no, that, that's fantastic. And also, to just... That gives him an option with the ball too. Australia can use him, which is good. I think that's going to be really important. It'll get him into the game. I think I don't surprise if Cam Green, you know, he bowls, you know, sort of eight to twelve overs, um, and it's a great way to be. Instead of just sort of twiddling his thumbs, waiting to go out to bat, if he's already involved in the game. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be really big for him. And he, I just love his temperament, buddy. I think his temperament made for Test cricket. Um, if you look at the Indian side, interesting one. Uh, Bruce Barth Hunt has been left out yeah. of the side, so which I yeah, forty. That, that's an interesting one. Because we, um, um, Robbie, we saw him make a big hundred in Sydney a couple of years yeah. ago uh, in the Test match. There, he, he he's a class act. He's an excitement machine. I I really like him. But they've gone with Saha, um, yeah. and and that's and that's obviously based on intel. And um, you don't. I, I never knock a selector for for backing who they think the right yeah. players are. And India obviously going there and, and could prove to be a very good decision for India there. Uh, any other any other players you, you've got your eye on in the Indian camp, Robbie? I, the, I think the player that, from an Australian perspective, I'm not too disappointed he's not playing is um, Ravinder Jadeja. Yeah. I, I, I think, yeah, he's a player that always seems to be a, a thorn in our side when it most counts. And so, yeah, obviously, but Ravi Ashman comes in for him. So that, that and along with, the, with Sahara coming in for part, that's the only change from the last test match they played in India. So, and, of course, Yumesh Yadav is the third seamer, and he is just so reliable. So I, I really, really like the look of this Indian side. I think they're going to be very hard to beat. Um, you know, the Adelaide Oval uh, wicket, yeah, could have a little bit extra grass on it, but it is very firm underneath. I think we're going to see just a great test match. The weather looks like it's going to be really nice and not too hot yeah. in December, so, um, which is good. Uh, Mohamed Shami is the one, I think. Uh, I know a lot of the talk is around uh, Jasper Bumrah and the like, but I think Shami could be the one under lights with that pink ball nipping around a bit that could create a little bit of havoc. So, oh. Uh, yeah, Matty, it, it, it is tantalisingly poised, this match. It is just so excited. Uh, yeah, can't wait. I, I seriously can't wait. We're only uh, well, well, we're about eight hours away, but we'll have to, you know, won't come quick enough. Yeah, it's it, it's exciting times indeed. And just to have Test Cricket back uh, with, with crowds, yeah. crowds allowed in to enjoy it all. 
and we will wrap up all the action. We're going to do a Christmas Eve edition of the show next week, Robbie, so we'll do a bit of a first test wrap and second test preview then. And all things point towards a very exciting summer. Someone who would normally be at the Adelaide Test who won't be there this year is former guest of the Cricket Library podcast, Nina Stevens. And I'm just going to play some of her little reflections now on her time at the cricket with her dad and, and what going to the Adelaide Oval meant to her. Go back to, um, to Adelaide and I go with my father to the test match. And we don't go for just one or two days. We go for five days <laughs> because I certainly hope that the test match lasts the full five days. Um, I would prefer it to go for six days because that's the kind of person I am. But, um, you know, and in those five days, it's really quality time. Um, Mum's really good about it, actually, considering that she lets Dad and I just go off for the, for the full days or the day-nighters, depending on how, of course, it all flows this year. It's going to be a day-nighter again, which will be great. But... You'll find that people usually sit in the same seat, so we get to know our neighbours. Um, before you know it, you're getting lunch and, and drinks for people who are sitting nearby you, and it's a great way to get to know people because you, you're there for five full days, usually in searing temperatures, and it's a, it's just a wonderful game to to watch and observe and get to know people around you. So I completely agree with that, and I and I know where you're coming from. As we move away from the Adelaide Oval now, Robbie, time to talk some big bash and what an exciting start to the BBL summer it has been. Yeah, good start. Well, a familiar side at the top of the table, the Melbourne Stars got away well. Of course, their game last night against the first Scorchers, um, the second innings never really got going. It got reduced to a six-over run chase. The Stars were asked to make 76. I thought that was going to be pretty tough. And um, 1.1 overs in, uh, it came down again, and so it was called off. So, but yeah, Scorchers, they were a bit robbed too. They were going along well, 6 one fifty-eight. They still had three overs left. So that target could have gone, you know, it could have gone real close to 200. So we're a bit robbed there, Matty. I thought that would have been a good game. Um, but the Hurricanes have been a bit of a surprise, haven't they? They got those two early wins. Yeah. And they had that, they had that loss, and I know that's, That'll please and the strikers got over the top and they didn't make enough batting first. You get bowled out for one forty six um in in under your a lot of time. But in general I've really enjoyed it, Matty. I know there's a there was a massive highlight for Thunder Nation the other night with that breathtaking win over Brisbane Heat. Yeah, that was absolutely incredible stuff uh, from a Thunder point of view. I was glued to the television for that one. And Daniel Sams, I think, prior to that game had made 55 runs in his last 15 BBL innings. Yeah. And he came out and batted like a man at the peak of his powers. He was launching them mainly on the onside, as Ricky Ponting pointed out. The, a lot, yeah. lot, lot of the bowling was, was possibly not as well targeted as it could have been there, and, and Daniel Sam's taking full toll on that. But at, at the end of the day, it's a really ominous sign for the Thunder if – the likes of Ben Cutting and Daniel Sams coming in in that middle to lower order can ice the cake on innings the way they did there yep. against the Heat. Uh, some some really positive signs there for the Thunder. Some other really uh, exciting stuff coming through. I, I really like the, the debut of Hatsaglue for the Melbourne Renegades. I, I thought his leg breaks, the Kumble style leg breaks. Sorry, I'm mentioning a leg spinner here again, Robbie, but 
Ah. Uh, I only just realised that then. Uh, he's an exciting prospect, picked up some wickets early on. Also, Josh Felipe, how good was he? Uh, yeah. 95, oh, desperately disappointed to see him miss out on becoming the first player to score 100 for the Sydney Sixers. But I, I dare say that 100 will come for him, the way he strikes the ball. I don't think we've seen the last of him making big runs there as well. And Liam Hatcher making his debut, uh, albeit wrecking the dreams of the Thunder Nation, taking some wickets against them and some wickets again last night. So after four years of plying his craft and sort of being in and around that Thunder squad, uh, it's great to see him finally get an opportunity in the Big Bash and and take it with both hands. Yeah, Matty, one of the other things I've noticed is um, a lot of the teams are losing – Wickets early, aren't they? Yeah. A lot of you know, two for ten inside, you know, the first couple overs, and then there's a bit of recovery. Um, the Melbourne Renegades the other day, you know, that was just bizarre. Six, six has made 205. The innings we just talking about from Josh Phillippe. And then they came out, and they were bowled out in 10.4 overs to 60. And I was, it's almost their um, last wicket partnership was one of the highest of the innings, but that was just bizarre. I'm not sure what happened. They, not obviously not a lot went right, but they just kept chasing it hard and it wasn't working. Um, you know, Steve O'Keefe picked up three wickets. Ben Dorsius picked up four for thirteen. Yeah. So his um his credentials are sneaking along. But oh look, it's still early days, Matty. But um yeah, seventeen runs for the last wicket saved them from a lot of embarrassment. In fact I think it was the biggest partnership of their innings. So they were nine for forty three there at one stage. Oh. Or um a little bit of a big hitting there from Kane Richardson got him out of a bit of strife. But, yeah, it's, it's early days. I guess for mine so far, probably Brisbane Heat, uh, one of the more, uh, probably the most disappointing side so far. They had that classic encounter against the Thunder. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure if they got their bowling right. The tactics weren't that great either at times, I thought. So, um, but Chris Lynn showed a little bit of ominous signs there. He might be warming to the task. But, Matty, I like it. I've, I've really enjoyed the new... Um, the new uh, changes they've implemented in. Yeah, uh, I love the I love the bonus point at the halfway mark of the innings. I think it's fantastic, and I love that just that four over power play to start the innings, and as other two overs get slotted in there by the batting side after that tenth over. I just reckon it's brilliant. I, I, I'm really enjoying it, and I hope people who are a bit skeptical about it are giving it a chance to play out. Oh, absolutely, Robbie. It's been scintillating stuff so far in the Big Bash, keeping us awake late at night. And the the cricket's been high quality. Interesting you said about the early wickets. I think there's only been two 50-run partnerships uh, at the top of the order so far in the tournament. So interesting there. I don't know whether it's the four-over power play has yeah. has had a little psychological impact on the way the openers are, are approaching their work. But be interesting to see how things evolve and X-factor players to see how they get played in – in the tournament, there's been a couple of those utilised so far, but not used uh, all that regularly. But exciting times ahead, Robbie. We've got a couple of games coming up for those that can't get enough. Uh, 11, 10 a.m. on Ricky Ponting's birthday, December 19. Uh, Hobart Hurricanes up against Melbourne Renegades. Then on the 20th of December, uh, the Sixers up against the Strikers. And, of course, the Thunder back in action on December 22 against the Perth Scorchers and the Brisbane Heat, the last game before Christmas, 23 December, up at the Gabba 
Brisbane Heat taking on the Adelaide Strikers. So some great Big Bash action coming up. And we've actually got a Big Bash-themed haiku poem. Now, I understand Matt Fiction had to try and record this one very quietly in the library. So (laughs) he was trying really hard to contain his excitement. He was very excited, but... um, it's coming up in a moment. And then we've got a couple of Matt's mailbags uh, with a bit of a BBL theme in the mailbag. So oh. we'll continue with some BBL discussion after this little treat from our resident cricket librarian, Matt Fiction. Daniel Robert Sams. Golden arm or golden bat. Maybe he is both. Golden bats or golden arm, Robbie? I think I think maybe he's both. Wasn't he trying to contain his excitement there, Matt Fiction? What, what a great librarian to just factor in that other people might have been reading or catching up on uh, a podcast or two in the libraries. He's done that so professionally. He was. He sounded yeah. like he was going to burst. <laughs> he was ready to erupt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, good to see. Hey, just a question too, Matty. Um, is Matt Fiction? Who does he follow in the BBL? That's a very good question. Yeah, I've never. I've never had a clue of him. I just. Yeah, just, I've, he I've, keeps. I've got a, oh, he keeps his cards very close to his chest. Yeah. What's your yeah. inc- inkling? Oh well, he's obviously. Lives in works in Thunder Nation, but that yeah. doesn't mean that doesn't mean you have to go to Sydney Thunder. Yeah, um, I'm my funny feeling is that if he's been engaged, if his services are being engaged at the cricket library, that with your um, passion for the Thunder Nation, I would think that it would be a little bit awkward maybe if he didn't back to Thunder, but that's yeah. not to say he can't. That's right. Well, I'll find out. I'll yeah, I'll, I'll have a quiet word with him. He, he the, just just in listening to that haiku, uh, and he has done a haiku poem on Alex Ross previously as well. I think yeah. there is a bit of a a trend emerging there. So I'll I'll, cool. I'll check that one out with you now, Robbie. The mail's in, and um, my nine my nine year old our our letterbox is actually about four hundred meters from the library, and yesterday my nine year old came sprinting that 400 metres, waving a postcard in the air saying there's more mail for the mailbag. Oh, so more. I'm going I'm I'm to read it out. It's overflowing. Uh, so we're just choosing, choosing the best ones here uh, to be read out. And we do have one on hold for our Christmas Eve edition of the show as well, which I'm really looking yep. forward to. Uh, but this one says, hi, Matt and Robbie. How good was the WBBL exclamation mark question mark? So I think that's uh, – an exclamation and wanting our reflections there. So how good was the WBBL? It was absolutely outstanding. Oh. And I'm sure you can concur there. Oh, the results. Oh. Matt. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Uh, As we turn our attention to the BBL, I'd love to know your thoughts on who you think will be in the team of the tournament. What a good question. Uh, (laughs) As well as your ladder prediction. Now, we did give a ladder prediction last week on the program and one of our listeners actually picked up that we only listed our top four and 
we we could have had an mm. extra team in there. Of course, it's common knowledge that the BBLs are top five, uh, but we thought we'd just keep it to the the upper echelon yeah. of, of teams there. Um, now, what do you think, team of the tournament? Is this a chance for us to reveal some exciting breaking news? I think you should fire away, Matt, because um, I have an inkling that we're talking about. We have a lot of we have the Brownlow medal in Australian yep. sport. Uh, I think we have the John Eels medal. We have the Dally M's, all this sort of stuff. Alan Border, Belinda Clark medals. Yep, we have Steve Wall medal. Uh, right, Matt. I believe you're about to announce something pretty special out of the library. Yeah, now, uh, after a series of meetings, um, a few working groups, uh, we have decided that we are going to award, and I don't know if we're, we're not allowed to officially award a medal, but we're going to make a medal for the Cricket yep. Library Weekly Big Bash Player of the Year. And that's going to be based on three to one votes. The judging panel is... Robbie McKinlay, Matt Fiction, and myself. And yep. we'll, we'll be allotting three, two, one votes throughout the Big Bash and coming up with our Player of the Year. And yep. it's probably fair to say if we are doing three, two, one votes, we could probably do an unofficial Cricket Library Weekly Team of the Year as well oh, at the conclusion we'll of the that. season. So, yep. no, no. so that's exciting. But... Uh, who are the players so far, Robbie, that uh, you look at and you think, oh, gee, I reckon I reckon this person's a chance for the medal? Without Because it's secret ballot at the moment. We're not actually releasing our 3-2-1 votes. We'll just keep them keep them secret here in the library and then unveil. Maybe we could do some progress uh, tallies throughout the season. Yeah, um, yeah we could uh, maybe shut it down with maybe three rounds to go or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Or close it off. Yeah, and then and then have a massive unveiling, and maybe we could get yep. the, the winner to come out to Burrabadine to receive their medal. <laughs> well, we certainly we could ask them. We could we could uh, make the inquiry. Or, but, um, or what could happen yeah. is we could we could end up uh, like Maisie Gibson, former guest on the Cricket Library podcast, who received her Player of the Year medal in the mail. I wouldn't be opposed oh. to to sending it via the mailbag. Yeah. Why not? Although we have had some um, issues, we have had some delays with them. Hope <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work both ways. Uh, well, what are your thoughts, Robbie? Who who's uh, caught your eye? Or can I start? Well, you can kick it off. Um, well, someone someone who's certainly been gathering a bit of traction for his fashion sense, but also took a fifer with the ball. P.M. Siddle. Oh yes. Hasn't hasn't he been turning heads with his sunglasses and nineteen um, eighties style haircut? Oh, is it nineteen eighties with that Billy Idol yeah, kind of it, look? It is. It, yeah, it is. It's sort of rock that type, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Can we say that the, the Peter Siddle is dressed for success? I think yeah, we can I'm actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, but he's winding back the clock, isn't he? PM Siddle. He has. You know. There's been um, the thing about Matt, the, the team is sort of sneaking under there. The bulldozer, Colin Ingram, yes. he's, um, he's leading the runs at the moment, you know. 126, strike rate of 131. But Tim David yep. uh, for Hurricanes, 
his strike rate is 168.5, if you don't mind. Is that the top, the that... top strike rate in the big bash? Uh, it is, actually. He is. Yes, he is. Can I, can I just I give really... a side note just quickly? Yeah. Uh, he uses a Bradbury cricket bat, which is the, the same bat that I use. Oh, no. Yeah, he does. And, and I always viewed the Bradbury cr- cricket bat as a sort of the technician's kind of bat, handcrafted, well, that that out of the water. kind of um, your classical kind of players would use a Bradbury. Um, but Tim David, hasn't he blown that stereotype out the window? Maybe I should well, be taking, taking more note of the way t- Tim David uses his Bradbury and maybe I should be launching them as well. Apply a bit more vigor with the stick. <laughs> it, it, it's interesting there. Um, uh, you, Bradbury bat and sponsored by Cadbury. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a nice little touch there. But, and if there's anyone um, from Bradbury or Cadbury listening, one hundred one R Bungle Gumby Road. If you'd like to uh, send us any product. Oh, uh, Maddie. But look, it's still a early day. Josh Phillips, of course, he's striking one sixty. But um, no, there's a few moving stakes. James Vince from the Sydney Sixers. Um, oh, look, there's so much talent there. Marcus Joyner's a bit of an up and down, but uh, start to the season. But he's going at 154. Maxi, as usual. Maxwell and Soyner are striking at the same amount. There you go. Wow. But for mine, VR Sam, those seven sixes in that innings against the Heat. That, for mine, Matt Ellis, has been the highlight thus far for BBL 10. Yeah, I can't argue with that uh, either. <laughs> another another player yeah. that I that I uh, have enjoyed seeing doing well is Jimmy Faulkner, seven wickets for the tournament as well so far. Uh, good street smarts. He's a very sensible bowler and executes very well as we've seen so far. I think Chris Lynn will be in in the team of the tournament as well. I, I predict oh. I, I predicted a big season for him at the start of the tournament also. So. I'll, I'll stick with that. Hey Matt, what I want to, what there has been, what I want to know, this team in the tournament will there also be a coach of the tournament name? Because I know in the WBBL there was a, there was a little bit of yeah. um, uh, REM rapid eye movement when it came <laughs> out um, with the selection there. So I'm just is that something you would think you might wait to the end of the tournament to announce, or do we, or is it a given that the Premiership coach becomes coach of the year. I tend to like that. That's it's an interesting one because there's uh, particularly with let's just use the WBBL as an example where you have a team that just as an example, if you had a team that came last one year and then were minor yep. premiers the next year, I would think that's a pretty impressive yeah. impact that a coach has had. And and say that team got beaten in the final. Um, like when do you announce? I think when you announce it is the interesting thing. Do you announce it at the start of the final series? Uh, yeah. What do you base it on? Do you base it on last year versus this year? It's a trick. It's a tricky one because uh, the only objective measure you have is competition ladder and standing, and uh, the team that holds the trophy would uh, probably have the best coach. You would think, or mm. do you say, well, uh, the 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 team that achieved more than we expected them to achieve at the start of the season. So say, for example, uh, the Melbourne Renegades, uh, who we didn't have in our top five, if they were to uh, finish, say, fourth and make it to the 
the semi-finals, do we then say yep. Michael Klinger is coach of the year because he's exceeded our expectations? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, yep. to I'm going to take some more time to to think about that, Robbie. That's a very good question. Did you is that from the mailbag or did you just come up with that? No, well, I think that's part of the mailbag question that you're currently working your way through. Right? <laughs> um, and because I'm, I want to find out um, actually who it is. Better, you better continue. Is that the final part of that question? Yeah, that's the final. Yeah, and, and this one, this is an interesting one because the front of the postcard is a magnificent cityscape of Brisbane. Oh, so we've got one of our peaks. Uh, lit followers, is it? Yeah, so it's a good thing we gave them a big rap, uh, Robbie. Um, no, it's actually it's actually from Sam or S- Samantha, actually from Sydney. Oh, uh, okay, yep. So I don't know where she got this postcard of Brisbane from. I don't. That's a very that's a, a question we might need to send her via the mailbag. But um, that's a beauty that one and. Before we go, we had one of our loyal listeners send us a message, uh, another Sam, Sam from Shoalhaven. Um, Sam sent us quite a lengthy message um, saying that his dad kind of made him listen to the program. and uh, Made him? Did yeah, I think him? so. Yeah, I think so. And I thought, oh, gee, what a great, oh. what a great father he's got. What a good uh, dad. <laughs> yeah, so well done, Sam's dad. But, yeah, uh, yeah Sam, Samuel has uh, sent us a message suggesting we have a Cricket Library Invitational 11 game, maybe down at, say, the Bradman Oval where we get some some guests Ooh. of the show to come and join us for a game. So, Renee Farrell, if you're listening, you were named in, yeah. in one of those potential sites. Um, I wonder if we could make that happen somehow, Robbie, the Cricket Library Invitational well, so, let's see what connections we've got. I, I, well, I what can tell you that um, in February uh, 2021, the um, New South Wales Country Open final between Newcastle and Riverina will be held at Bradman Oval. So that day will be out, Matt. But um, uh, why not? I, Look, we'll make some inquiries about that. Yeah, let's make some inquiries. But uh, the, there's a little pack coming out in the mail to Samuel from Shoalhaven. Um, he sent us a Christmas card as well. So uh, oh, just a reminder, beautiful. if you do want to send us a Christmas card, same address, 101R Bungle Gumby Road, Borough Bedeen, New South Wales, 2830. And um, we'll send you out a little thank you pack, a little cricket library weekly pack uh, of goodies. Well, Robbie... We are out of time. It's time for us to do our final preparations for the test match. Thank you so much for joining us as always. And a massive thanks to all of our listeners. Uh, This has been Robbie McKinlay and Matt Ellis for the Cricket Library Weekly. Bye for now.